0: I-V-M.
1: BQ Big Decisions – the Bloomberg Quinn podcast that helps you make the right financial choices. Hello and thanks for tuning in. I'm Alex Matthew and this is BQ Big Decisions – You know, people familiar with equity markets will possibly have on occasion looked at the fabled FANG stocks in the U.S. and wondered where they would have been today if they'd managed to invest in at least one of them early on. If you haven't heard of FANG, you're probably wondering what vampires have to do with equity. Well, I'm not talking about vampires. I'm talking about the prized jewels in the crown of U.S. equities. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix and Alphabet, which was Google when the moniker was coined. That's what we're talking about on today's podcast. Can you, as a resident of India, make investments in the US or in fact in any other country? If you can, how do you go about doing it? And is there a case to put some of your money in investments abroad? Joining me to talk about this is Amol Zoshi, the founder of Plan rupee investments. Thank you so much for joining me Amor. Alex, as always a pleasure. Now, let, I mean, I, I know I mentioned the Fang stocks, mm-hmm. but there are several more assets uh, over the last couple of months. There's Tesla that's got everybody buzzing. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, first of all, is there a possibility of an average Indian, take me for example, mm-hmm. can I invest in stocks abroad? How do I go about doing it? Right, certainly. So uh, let me address it in two ways. Any lay
2: person or any investor can certainly invest into U.S. based stocks. Some of the largest brokerage houses or broking houses in India do have a tie up with U.S. agencies or U.S. companies in which you have to open an account. Hmm. Typically, the ticket sizes are slightly higher and then you you are responsible for your own stock selection. Uh, assuming that you have expertise to select UX stocks and as with any equity investment, I would not suggest that you go just by the past returns or sure. you, go, uh, you go just by the news. Now that's
1: way number one, pretty straightforward. But I want to ask, sorry, yes. before we go to way number uh, two, yes. I, I want to understand here when you say that ticket size is mm-hmm. high. Is there a threshold that you need to bear in mind? Uh,
2: uh, Well, uh, most of the times when you open an account, the ticket size threshold generally, uh, you know, while account opening to allocate you certain limits or to give you certain kind of special facilities of the research reports, etc. You might be asked to maintain a certain minimum Balance. balance or amount. Okay. So that's about the ticket size. Now, way number two. It's pretty straightforward. Huh. And uh, on this uh, podcast, uh, Alex, we have many times spoken about the various uh, mutual fund types. Sure. One of the times where that comes in handy over here is typically called as international funds. You are pretty much familiar with ICCA Prudential Mutual funds, sure. Franklin Templeton, yeah. or Nippon Mutual Fund. Yeah. All of these mutual funds have one or another overseas or international funds in their equity. Okay. For example, ICCA Prudential had something called as ICSA approved US blue chip. Okay. Nippon has Nippon Japan equity, ah. so on and so forth. Right. Franklin Templeton has European equities sure. as well. Sure. So these are the mutual funds Hmm. that are managed by professional fund managers, as it happens with all the mutual funds, you can simply invest while being in India with as smaller ticket size as 5000 rupees lump sum, or even 1000 rupees SIP. Hmm. And that is a much more easily accessible way for a common
1: investor. So just so I understand correctly, since these assume that you have a mutual fund scheme that is investing in the US, yes, uh, I as an investor would put, like you said about Say, for this example, 7,200 mm-hmm. rupees. Right. Um, that 7,200 rupees would essentially buy first $100. That's exactly And that $100 correct. would get, uh, you know, invested into the stocks that the fund manager chooses. That's essentially how it works.
2: Alex, that is exactly how it works. And I am sure our uh, listeners have understood why you mentioned 7,200. Simply because of the rupee-dollar exchange rate of around okay. 72. Absolutely. Yes, that's correct.
1: Okay, so when we're talking about this, yours, and you're saying that this is the better way to go about it because... One, you don't have to keep a track uh, again, and you don't have to keep a track of the fundamentals of the company that you're investing in, for example. Sure. Um, And you have, uh, you know, the ticket size, which is very key. But let's also talk about where all uh, you can invest. Is Mm -hmm. this a very large avenue uh, to invest? Is it developed, well-developed?
2: Oh, Okay, so I would say yes, it is pretty well developed in terms of I mentioned few funds, there is a US uh, blue chip fund, there is Japan equity fund, there is European equity fund. Uh, at one point in time, there was global gold mining related fund as well. Mm. So you have various uh, So what is asset allocation? Uh, asset allocation is investing into various assets. Typically, avoid the situation of having all your eggs in one basket. So assets do not just mean equity and debt and gold and commodities and so on. Assets or asset allocation would also mean that you would ideally diversify from your local market. To an international market which has a very very less degree of correlation with your market. Understood. So if something goes wrong with your local market as it may happen, hmm. like something that went wrong with US market during 2008, uh, Lehman Brothers uh, global financial crisis. Sure. During that time, there would have been a market globally that not necessarily crashed or not necessarily crashed to that extent. So mm. that's the whole idea of uh, diversification. Now to answer your question, is it well diversified? Yes, you can invest into a specific gold mining companies mm. all over the world, mm. as well as you can invest into various geographies, like I mentioned, uh, Asian funds are there, Japan specific, Japan is a large sure. market, European, US, so on and or so forth. Directly. So it's a developed market. Uh, it's, a, it's a very well developed arena or area of the mm. market. And all all respect uh, you know, respected fund houses have the funds in which you can invest via both lump sum as well as
1: Just a quick question on this point. Are there ETFs that you can invest in? Uh, like, for example, is there a fund of funds that uh, possibly invests in ETFs in the US? Okay, so let me say barring one or two examples that I mentioned
2: over here, like uh, ICSA Pro US Blue Chip, which directly invests into stocks, mm. most other examples that I quoted, they are actually feeder funds. Ah. So let's understand now this terminology. Yeah. yeah. Leader fund, as simply the name suggests, the fund where which collects money in India, where mm. you and I can invest via in our capacities, that fund simply goes into an international market, mm. for example, US market, yeah. and it invests into a fund that is already in existence mm. with a proven credentials and track record. Mm. It simply buys, to the extent of what AUM, this local fund has, it buys the US fund 100% to their of their AUM, Assets Center Understood. Management. Understood. So this is one way of investing into. So I'm trying to say that you have ETFs, you have funds that invest into overseas ETFs. Yeah. You have funds that invest into overseas funds, hmm. right, hmm. actively managed funds. Hmm. ETF pretty much are passively uh, managed, confirming right. to an index. Yeah. And there are funds that are uh, incorporated in India, but those invest in straightaway stocks, stocks. as well. So you have all the sorts of uh, Find options, options, options are like that are available.
1: available. I also want to understand now we've primarily been speaking about equity. When I introduced the topic, mm-hmm. I also spoke about the FANG stocks and sure. we've been speaking about equity markets. But uh, there are also debt options available? Uh,
2: but Ideally, I would say that there are very, very few debt options available because I'll tell you the reason. As you know, worldwide, the interest rates yes. are, you know, close to zero, if not negative yeah. in large part. Yeah. And if you have to invest in debt, today, government of security, India 10-year GSEC is available to you at around 630, 640 levels. Yeah. So when local, uh, uh, you know, government security you get for a 10%, uh, I'm sorry, 6-6.5% yield, there is very less uh, incentive for you to go abroad and diversify in a
1: debt debt, uh, segment. So here the theoretical and the practical aspects diverge, right? Okay, but I want to talk now more about the use cases. Right. Now, we've talked about investing as little as 5,000 rupees. Yes. And you mentioned when you spoke about Mm -hmm. the 2008 financial crisis that equity markets did crash at that point of time. Um, And while you said that there might have been certain other pockets or certain other markets that didn't crash as much as the U.S. markets, Mm -hmm. Some might argue that that fall in uh, 2008, 2009 Mm -hmm. and the level where perhaps you had some inkling that it was settling would be a good opportunity to buy into that market as well. I'm not advocating Mm -hmm. that. I'm just suggesting that it's an opportunity. Now, in that event is there a use case uh, and whenever we've spoken about investing on mm-hmm. this podcast we've talked mm-hmm. about investing towards a certain objective right so what are the Goal objectives that, invest, yeah. yes okay. what are the objectives
2: right so alex i will give one i'll spend my time about, of this answer on one key use case hmm. now uh, today's india is aspirational india alex we all know that uh, many many parents or even students have an aspiration to study in ivy league colleges ah, to yes. go abroad for studies to study in the best best education possible any parent uh, who wants to plan for their child's education especially let's take an example of i want to send my kid my child hmm. uh, for higher education in united states now there are two types of things or two types of risks i will be taking when i invest for creating a child education corpus first and foremost is the instrument risk or the asset class risk right. suppose i have 12 years to plan uh, the corpus then Okay, given that the horizon is so long there is a good chance that I will be choosing equity asset class to invest so yes. first of foremost I am running an equity risk yes. now second aspect is no matter if I invest in Indian equities or Indian equity mutual funds Indian stocks for creating a corpus, the second risk that I am running is the currency risk ah. right yes. so let me uh, uh, take your example of 70 or 72 yes. if I have feeds that in US uh, in rupee terms uh, it's 70 lakh rupees so yes. in US dollar terms it will be hundred thousand or one lakh dollars fees. Yeah. Now if I accumulate a corpus of 70 lakh rupees, but by that time if our currency has currency has depreciated by let's say even 10%. Yeah. Then instead of 70 lakh rupees, 77, 77 lakh rupees is what I will have to shell out. Shell out to get yeah. same hundred thousand dollars mm. as fees. Now this is a speci- very specific use case. Yes. Now if you now let's again uh, let's go to the action point. Yeah. Uh, suppose you have today invested Same example, Mm. 70,000 or 70 lakh rupees. Today, you would get 100,000 worth dollars worth of units in the US denominated portfolio. 10 years later, and let's imagine for the simplicity of this podcast, let's imagine that this is your one time investment only. Mm. Equity risk, we all understand. Yes. So we let's assume for a moment that equity is flat. Equity doesn't give any
1: returns yes. for next 10 years so you put However, 100 rupees it's 100 rupees then or yes. 100 dollars 100, $100, is $100 then. same 100 dollars
2: yeah. but let's imagine for a moment the rupee has depreciated from 70 level to let's say 80 level yeah. just again as an example for the sake of example for yeah. the sake of example so when you sell your 100000 dollars worth of units in the us market hmm. in us your domestic india mutual fund is going to get only 100000 dollars over there which is, visit, which is what you invested which is what you invested But when the money comes back to you, simply by the virtue of currency conversion 10-year hence, Hmm. that 1 lakh is not going to take a shape of 70 lakh. It is going to take a shape of 80 lakh simply because the conversion rate has gone to now 80. So keeping the real rate of instrument aside, you hedge the currency risk. And that, Alex, in my mind, is the very, very specific use case with a very, very defined identifiable
1: benefit. So you need to have, uh, and I will repeat this just so that everyone is clear on this, what Amol is essentially talking about is that assume your Uh, investment in the US, for example, makes absolutely no money over a 10-year period. But at the same time, the the rupee against the US dollar has depreciated, that has weakened by 10%. What happens when you finally book out the investments, that is when you sell the investment, what you get back is the same amount that you invested. But when you convert it into rupees, you get 10% more because the value of the rupee against the dollar has gone down, that is the dollar has strengthened against yes, the rupee. That's correct. Now, I, I do want to understand at, at this point, uh, when you're talking about this, uh, Amol, there is also uh, a particular strategy that you should employ, right? When you're talking mm-hmm. about a portfolio, and you're talking about asset allocation, which is nine-tenths of the rule, as you keep stressing on right. this, yes, on this yes. uh, podcast. How should one approach it? If someone just simply has to take advantage of that thesis that the right. rupee is going to depreciate mm-hmm. over a period of time. Right.
2: Okay, Alex. So very important point. So within asset allocation, I have always advocated, and many many advisors or planners do that. There are we get questions on some limited uh, pockets. Those pockets are. Amul, how do you think in infrastructure is going to play out? Yeah. Because of we, you know, government has announced so and so infrastructure, many, many infrastructure themes or right. in uh, if you are in Mumbai, you know that at least 8, 10, 12 metros are currently under construction. Yeah. So infrastructure or banking and finance or technology or overseas or geographical diversity. First of all, the US or Japan or uh, European uh, equities, it's a, it will come under your geographical diversification. Yeah. We very briefly touched upon it in our initial yes. talk. The rule is all the sectors or themes or geographical diversification put together can be about 10 to 15 percent of your overall portfolio. Portfolio, So uh, mind you listeners, this is not the core of your portfolio. If you have a portfolio of say a lakh rupees or a 10 lakh rupees in a 10 lakh rupee portfolio, this can be about a lakh, lakh and half, which Mm. is 10 to 15%. The core of your your portfolio or bread and butter of your portfolio would still be about 80, 85% odd would be equities and debt assets in your local market yes. simply because of the familiarity, simply because of, and, and it's, um, uh, you know, you want to be in India, uh, uh because a long, st- long term growth, uh, growth story of India, you would still want to participate. So that's my answer to the diversification, both on the points of view of geographical as well as asset class wise.
1: A very quick question on the thesis that the Indian rupee will depreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you can say? Of course, you can't say it with certainty, but <laughs> yes. in the way that we we have been moving and we're likely to move in terms of India's GDP growth vis-a-vis global growth, right. is it fair to assume that the Indian currency will depreciate over a period so of time? So
2: GDP growth rate, of course, is one of the factors, but there are two other factors that are of importance over here, Alex. And those two factors are at what level of current account deficit is yes. your uh, economy being managed. Yep. Based yep. on that, the rupee will... Uh, largely the trend of rupee
1: will that is determined the difference correct. between the exports and the, the imports. That's correct. Current account deficit. Yeah.
2: Right. And there is another important factor. That important factor is at what level of inflation you are. Yeah. So if I give an example of inflation, and you mentioned initially that rupee had steadily depreciated, mm. not essentially month on month or year on year, yeah. but over a five year, 10 year period, you can see that rupee has depreciated at the rate of 4% or thereabouts. Sure. The idea over here is if you have an inflation of five to 6%, and if US inflation is 0 to 2% or 1 to 2%, yeah. the net difference between these two inflations in these two economies is about 4%. Understood. And that's the reason why rupee largely has depreciated. Our inflation has come down a lot over the last few years. Uh, yeah. last quarter it has spiked up to 7-7.5 seven, seven levels yeah. but most of the market participants inflation. do feel that it was on account of food inflation yeah. monsoons running late into late November and and something to do with the onion prices and other, other vegetable prices but suffice to say that this 7.5 doesn't look uh, uh, sticky it's unlikely to hold crown still the difference of 3-3.5% three, three is likely to remain so 3-4% to four percent or around 3% is a good estimate to have in terms of at what rate Indian currency is likely to depreciate against the
1: dollar. Amul, I I love this conversation because we've meandered very nicely from investing into uh, assets abroad to a lesson on on the economy and uh, (laughs) economic factors to watch out for. One last question though, and this is something that uh, most Indian investors will will be very concerned and wary about, Mm -hmm. is what is the tax incidence uh, that they have to bear in mind if they're investing in these assets?
2: Okay, so there is one very easy um, way to remember this. All international funds if they invest in equity ETFs they will get equity taxation hmm. the rest everybody else will get a debt taxation okay so what I mean by that I give you an example of a India domiciled US fund that directly invests into US stocks yes Even if it invests 100% in US tax, the taxation that you will have to consider for Hmm. your gains or losses will be the debt taxation. So let me repeat it. All the international funds, Hmm. if they invest in equity ETFs offshore, only then equity taxation, rest every international fund domiciled in India will have a debt taxation.
1: Understood. And, And where does it stand currently?
2: Currently, the debt taxation is three years or below short term capital gains will be added to your income yes. and whatever is your income tax marginal tax bracket it will go to sure. it will be considered under your ta- regular tax bracket. Over
1: three three years Over is long term.
2: In long term capital gains indexation, indexation benefit yeah. comes into the picture. I think we have done a Discussed. detailed we, podcast we, yeah, on that. We've done earlier. a
1: detailed a podcast conversation on uh, debt mutual funds in which we've talked about sure. various types of debt mutual funds and the tax incidents on that. So if you're interested do look that up. But I think this is been a very educational conversation it's been a pleasure speaking to you Amol, as always thank you so much alex for having me on this podcast well dear listener as always it's a pleasure speaking to you as well i hope that this conversation helped you out and if you have any questions do write to us on any one of our social media platforms if you'd like to hear more content like this, you can look up any one of the podcast channels. In fact, you can check out SoundCloud and you'll find a whole list of topics that we've already discussed. To watch this space for more, this is Alex Matthew signing off. Have
0: a great weekend. If you enjoyed Big Decisions, check out some other podcasts on the IBM Podcast Network. You can check out Pesa Vesa, hosted by Anupam Gupta. Advertising is Dead, hosted by Varundugirala. The Ronnie Screwwala podcast, hosted by Ronnie Screwwala. Or Cyrus Says, hosted by Cyrus Procha. These shows are available on the IBM Podcast website, app, or wherever you get your podcast from.
1: Look up in the internet. It's a meme. No, it's a cat video. No, it's the Geek Fruit podcast.
2: That's right, we interrupt this riveting broadcast to tell you about our show, The Geek Fruit Podcast, where Tejas, Dinkar and I, Chishnu, talk about everything in pop culture, including DC, Marvel, Star Wars, Netflix and everything in between.
1: You know how your friends hate it when you ramble about some nerdy crap and you just want somebody to listen to you? Well, sorry, there's nothing we can do about that, but come listen to us ramble and it'll almost be like the real thing. Kind of. Listen to new episodes of the Geek Fruit
2: podcast every Monday and the Geek Fruit bulletin every Thursday on iTunes, Google Podcasts, the IVM app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy listening, you nerds.
0: I hope you enjoyed that show. We'd like to thank our sponsors this week, HDFC Life and Paytm Money. And let me tell you a couple of things that you should check out this week. On Litnama, Lakshmi talks to Hardik Wagela and Muhammad Munim from the band The Words of Alif. They talk about how the band came to be and more. On Football Shootball, the guys talk about Liverpool qualifying for the Champions League, City getting banned from it and Arsenal thrashing Newcastle for a 4-0 win. On Golgappa, tune into a Laugh Riot episode where host Tripti talks to Karan and Neil from Paripa. On our Kannada podcast, Thalle Harate, Ramya Bhaskar and Sridhar Pavisati talk to Ganesh and Pawan about reimagining school education for Industry 4.0. On Tapri, Tales, Madhuri tells a tale of her struggle with keeping cockroaches away from the kitchen while wondering why there are no cockroaches in her mother's kitchen. On Beyond Cliché, Almas is joined by the Mahiway actor Pushti Shakti to talk about beauty beyond size. Thanks and keep listening.